Thanks for tuning in to Cross Defense. Today on the show, we're talking about truth and lies, orthodoxy and heresy, talking about Caesar being Lord and Christ being Lord, the lie that we were told to tell back in the old days. And we're talking about how that is the same thing as saying a man can become a woman. And all of these LGBTQ lies that we're bombarded with today. We're talking about all this kind of stuff today, right now, here on Cross Defense. So thanks for tuning in. Let's get into it. Welcome to Cross Defense, my friend. This is the show that aims to equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, and it aims to do it all with God's Word, rightly divided between His law and His gospel. I'm your host, Reverend Tyrell Bramwell. I'm the pastor of St. Mark Lutheran Church out here in Ferndale, California, where tomorrow, as this is first airing at KFUO.org, on 625 Three, right? Yeah, that's right. On Sunday, June 25th, 2023, a parade of LGBTQ protesters are convening. That's right, here in Ferndale, because the devil knows that this is where the light of Christ is shining bright out here in Humboldt County on the Lost Coast. Two years ago, the Lord decided to bring our little parish, St. Mark Lutheran Church, into open conflict with the LGBTQ legion of demons influencing so many people in our culture today. Now, legion thinks it can overcome our Lord, and they continue to scurry about like wayward wazzles, waging war against Ferndale's faithful. But no matter, no matter, my friend, we pray. And the Lord is faithful, and he fights for us. And so I encourage you, please pray for us too. As you're listening to this, if you're hearing this before June 25th, 2023, pray that the enemy would not get any foothold in Fernell, further foothold by this pride protest, but that the Lord's name would be glorified, that all would come to believe in him, that none would perish, but all would reach repentance. Now, tomorrow, at the same time, St. Mark is gathered at the Lord's altar to be served by Christ in his divine service. At that exact same time is when these protesters are going to gather to protest. And that's their word. It's not a march. It's not a parade. It's a protest. They're adamant about that. And uh, we, we know that they're not filling in the blank, but we know that the protest is against the Lord, against God's word. They're going to march down Main Street in defiance of the Lord's word that reveals homosexuality is sin, transgenderism is sin, and queering God's created order in all the different facets that it can be queered is to sin. They want their sexual deviancy, and they want Christians like you and I to affirm them in their rebellious act against God. So think about this, my friend, and we're already deep into the show, so here we go. I mentioned it briefly last week to St. Mark's uh, Sunday morning Bible study group. What's the source of the division regarding all this LGBTQ stuff in our culture today? What's the source of it? All of it comes from the LGBTQ crowd, which includes their allies, and allies from the local 
neighborhood level, all the way up to the highest cultural and political levels of power and influence in this country, demanding everyone, everyone, affirm and celebrate their lie, and lies, plural, right? We're up against the same thing that the early church faced when they were compelled to lie and wouldn't. Will we lie or will we insist on telling the truth? Our ancestors were told to say, Caesar is Lord. We're being told to say that a homosexual relationship is a marriage, that a boy can become a girl, and that queer is normal. It's a doctrinal difference. To claim that Caesar is Lord, that he is a God, our judge and deliverer, our redeemer and savior, this is a false doctrine, a false teaching that our faithful ancestors rejected wholeheartedly and rightly so. But excite your imagination with me, friend. What's more reasonable, and they're both unreasonable, but of the two, which one's more reasonable to call the most powerful man on the planet at the time, the emperor of the Roman Empire, Caesar, who had very real means of sustaining or terminating your temporal life, to call him Lord, or to call a woman by masculine pronouns. To say a man in a dress is the same thing as a woman who can give birth to a child, who can breastfeed a child, who can do all the, the womanly feminine things. Guy puts on a dress, dyes his hair blue, boom, he's a woman. Really? To declare that God is a liar and that there are more than two genders, more than two sexes. He created them male and female. Which one's more absurd? The lies we're demanded to tell today, I would say, are far more absurd, at least in a certain light, than the one our predecessors were up against. And they died. Brutal deaths in the arena, on the pyre, in the mouths of lions, up against gladiators, all these sorts of things. Martyrdom rather than call Caesar Lord. Perhaps, though, it's the absurdity of today's lies that have some Christians willing to, to go along to get along with the liars, willing to pretend with a homosexual couple and the Supreme Court of the United States of America that men can marry men and women can marry women, right? Willing to pretend that drag queens are not perverted in their thought, Willing to go along, even by way of passive compliance, willing to go along with the idea that the LGBTQ have been persecuted because they're victims, a marginalized group. Instead of the truth that their chosen way of life has been rejected by God and society because it's morally reprehensible, an abomination. Now, hear me rightly. I'm in no way condoning the sinful treatment of anyone. Now, I don't care who they are. Gay, straight, black, white, Christian, pagan, fill in the blanks. Hear me rightly. Any sin toward another human being 
is to be condemned, no matter who that human being is. But that doesn't mean calling sin, sin is a sin. Outlawing, avoiding, excommunicating, and denouncing evil isn't persecution. What are we dealing with? We're dealing with false doctrine, false teaching, false opinions, lies. We're Christians, and we follow Christ, and he is the truth. I am the way and the truth and the life, he says, right? And what else did he say? To those who didn't come to the light when he entered the world, but preferred the darkness. He said, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. John eight forty four. My friends, we're living through a time, perhaps not seen since the likes of Luther, maybe even Athanasius. Now, why would I say that? Because this is a time of great heresy. A heresy that, that's testing the church's mettle, just as in the days of the Reformation, just as in the days of the Arian heresy. It's orthodoxy versus heresy. Even older than that, really. We're dealing with an Israel whoring after other gods sort of situation here. That's what we're up against. That's, that's the moment in time that we're living. I just don't think we're recognizing it. And each Christian must contend for himself. Just as we all must contend together as the corporate church, yes, on this battlefield of truth and lies, but do not be mistaken, we must all work out our faith in fear and trembling. Ask yourself, friend, who's my father? Is it the one true God or is it the devil? Am I all about honesty and truth or am I, am I about deception and lie? Am I about life or death? Ask yourselves these questions. And they're not hyperbolic. These are real, honest questions that when asked will help us navigate our path, will help us lean on, stand on, rely on the Bible as the only norm for our lives. Is your mind equipped to see our moment in history for what it is? Is your imagination shaped by the Lord or is it shaped by demons? Where is your comfort? Is it in Christ Jesus, as we say, or is it in something else? These questions, they get at an interesting quote, actually. A quote that I read from, of all theologians, <laughs> John Calvin. Now, don't tar and feather me. I read it in a book by C. Fitzsimmons Allison. The book's called The Cruelty of Heresy, An Affirmation of Christian Orthodoxy. There's a Butterfat book link in the show notes. The quote reads, 
all errors that have existed in the Christian church from the beginning proceeded from the source that in some persons ambition and in others covetousness extinguished the true fear of God. A bad conscience is therefore the mother of all heresies. Let's think about that thought for a second. All errors in Christianity come from either ambition or covetousness. These things extinguishing the true fear of God, creating a bad conscience that gives birth to heresy. That's an interesting thought. Kind of actually makes me think of a certain Bible passage. James 1, 14 to 18. Are you familiar? Let's take a look at that. Open your Bibles. James 1, 14 to 18. Take a look at that with me right now. And then after this, we'll probably take a break here soon. But let's go there. James 1, 14 to 18. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Allison points out, that Calvin made his comment on 1 Timothy 1.19. So let's take a look there. Flip there real quick with me. What does that verse say? Starting at verse 18, we read, This charge I entrust to you, this is Paul talking to Timothy, my child, he says, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Friend, my prayer for you, for us, for the church in this very dark world is that you may wage the good warfare, just like Pastor Timothy. May you speak the truth of God's word in the face of the devil's lies. May you hold to the orthodox faith with a good conscience, even while so many others are making shipwreck of their faith. Now, I asked you about your mind, about your imagination, and about your comfort. Yeah? Sticking to our, our cross defense theme. Now, while we're in this, this cruelty of heresy book from Allison, there's another question he asks. His question reads, what happens to someone who follows heretical teachings? And that's a profound question. Are we giving that enough thought? What happens to someone who's led astray by heresy? Well, listen to what he has to say in pondering that question. And then listen to it as we consider all the crazy surrounding the LGBTQ lies, all the, the crazy surrounding critical race theory lies, feminist lies, abortion lies, all of these postmodern problems that we're dealing with, all of this wokeism 
that we're dealing with in our secularized culture. They've all entered into many corners of the Christian church, taken down denomination after denomination. Allison writes, It became quickly and readily apparent how cruel heretical teachings are and how prevalent the heresies are in contemporary times. Victims of these teachings have been encouraged either to escape the world and their basic humanity into some form of flight and death, or to use religion to undergird and isolate further their own self-centered self from the need to be loved and love. We are susceptible to heretical teachings because in one form or another, they nurture and reflect the way we would have it be, rather than the way God has provided, which is infinitely better for us. As they lead us into the blind alleys of self-indulgence and escape from life, heresies pander to the most unworthy tendencies of the human heart. It is astonishing how little attention has been given to them, these two aspects of heresy. It's cruelty and it's pandering to sin. The conviction that heresy is cruel has given me a growing awe and respect for orthodoxy. (laughs) Amen. Let's leave it right there for our first break. We'll come back in just a minute, and we'll continue our conversation about truth and lies, about orthodoxy and heresy. Thanks for listening to Cross Defense. Iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. Put this wisdom of God into practice by listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple, and faithful pastors from around the world help sharpen my faith in Christ every episode. I know you'll be blessed by listening and studying God's Word with us. Listen to Sharper Iron weekdays at 8 a.m. on KFUO and on demand at KFUO.org, the KFUO radio app, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Cross Defense. Thanks for not taking off during the break. Welcome back. As we're talking about honesty, truth, lies, deception, these sorts of things, we're talking about orthodoxy, we're talking about heresy. We're talking about speaking the truth in the midst of it and recognizing our moment in history. And this is why a couple episodes back we talked about Thriven and how they were encouraging their Christian clients to hashtag celebrate pride. It's teaching is heretical, it being thrivent. They're teaching heresy rather than orthodoxy. And it's pandering to sin and encouraging our participation as Christians in that cruelty, in that heresy. And this is why, dear friend, we must speak against this. This is why we must not participate in it. And this is why I included so many of the comments on Thrivent's Instagram post as I found them at that time before I aired the show. Uh, who knows how many more are there now? But I wanted to encourage you, not just from my words, but encourage you in the faith and stir you up in the truth by showing you your fellow Christians, your brothers in arms are in concord with you. You're not alone. There's not just a few of us. There are many, many more faithful Christians out there than we suspect. 
And now I'd like to share this email with you I got after the show. Show aired, and this was a response email. And I also want to pause and I want to thank God for faithful pastors. Faithful pastors just like this man. Thank you, Lord. He writes, Dear brother, thanks for the program on June 10th about Thrivent celebrating Pride Month. My adult son and I were returning home from a trip and we listened to the program in the car and then we talked about it for quite a while. And then he says, still traveling in the car. After returning home, I emailed Thrivent and then I called my local Thrivent rep's office and then called corporate Thrivent. <laughs> well done, brother. Cover all the bases. He said, I received a helpful response from the woman who took my call at the local office in the St. Charles, Missouri area. She gave me the address to which we should write to complain about this. Thrivent Financial, attention client relations, 4321 North Ballard Road, Appleton, Wisconsin, 54919-0001. That's Thrivent Financial, attention client relations, 4321 North Ballard Road, Appleton, Wisconsin, 54919-0001. She also gave me the cell phone number of a field VP, but it might only be for the Missouri region. I'm not sure about that. I thought that you might want to share the Thrivent address with your listeners and encourage them to write and encourage everyone in their congregation and all of their relatives and friends who are Thrivent members to write. Absolutely. Did you hear that, guys? Encourage everyone to write and complain about this. Absolutely, Pastor. Thrivent needs to hear our firm but respectful message, he says, about this. Speak the truth in love. For my part, I will ask that they listen to the June 10th podcast in its entirety. God bless you. Keep fighting the good fight. Pastor Warren Worth, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. Thank you, brother. Thank you, and God bless you, Pastor. Thank you for the address, and yes, thank you for doing all that legwork. Thank you for talking with your son about this in the car. Thank you for, for encouraging others to write and to encourage others to encourage others to write. Thank you for your heart. I thank God for your heart, Pastor. Thanks for the address. And yes, I very much, very much want to share it with Cross Defense listeners. So here it is again, my friends. This is the address for Thrivent Financial, Attention, Client Relations, 4321 North Ballard Road, Appleton, Wisconsin, 54919-0001. Thrivent Financial, Attention, Client Relations, 4321 North Ballard Road, Appleton, Wisconsin, 54919 dash zero 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 one right in be respectful but be bold and firm and tell them that you cannot participate in the cup of demons and the cup of the lord tell them this is a doctrinal issue this is a heresy issue that you will not go along and speak lies that you must as a Christian, a repentant sinner, baptized into the body and blood of Christ Jesus, into his death and resurrection, receiving his body and blood, that's the right way to say that, that you will not be complicit in going with the pagans, but must remain truthful to your word. You will not call Caesar Lord. You will not celebrate Pride Month. You will. Submit to your Lord, even when it's unpopular, and that you expect them to do the same if they are going to call themselves Christian. Will we go along with lies or speak the truth, my friends? 
Whose child are we? We would do well always to remember that the devil is a murderer and a liar. Not just a liar. He's also a murderer. His lies lead to murder. This is what's so great about Allison's cluing in, chiming in, zoning in, tuning in, whatever you want to say, on the idea that heresy is cruel. Heresy is cruel. The devil's lies are murderous lies. We don't want to be his children. We want to remain the children of God. I know Bruce doesn't want to be one of the devil's children. He writes, hello, Pastor Bramwell. I've been listening to Cross Defense for a long time, and I learned quite a bit from your show. Great job. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate that. To God be the glory. I, too, was very disappointed when I learned of Thrivent's support of the LGBTQ community. My wife has an account there, and I think it's time to move it, just as you suggested. I think it would be very hard, if not impossible, to find a financial institution that doesn't support this movement, whether publicly or privately. As you said in your show, we would have to leave this world in order to get away from sinners. A question for you. The difference between secular financial institutions and Thrivent is that Thrivent claims to support the Christian community, yet supports anti-Christian causes, correct? If there's no difference, then I would need to leave all other institutions and put my savings under my mattress. That's right. I hope my question made sense. In Christ, Bruce. It makes absolute sense, Bruce. I had the same exact conversation with a member here at St. Mark. We're going through the same thing everybody else is. The issue at hand is, is just as you said, Thrivent is coming in the name of Christ and then leading people astray. That's the rub. So you're absolutely right. You nailed it. But guys, the heresy that's taking over churches, that's infiltrating churches, it's, it's bigger than just the LGBTQ, isn't it? We know that. It's Pride Month, and so we end up focusing on that. I end up focusing on it a lot because for the last two years, we've been at this contest, in this contest with the LGBTQ here in Ferndale. But the, the problem, the spiritual battle is actually with lawlessness in many ways, isn't it? It's a refusal to speak the law when and where it's appropriate to do so as church. Wouldn't you agree? 1 Timothy 1.8 and following says, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. We seem to have found ourselves in a time in history where Arius is celebrated and Athanasius is in exile. Lawlessness and disobedience are everywhere in the church today. Ungodly and unrepentant sinners are welcomed in and protected from knowing 1 Corinthians 5 in the name of niceness and an empty, vacuous love. Or in Acts terms, Ananias and Sapphira are carrying out a team ministry while Barnabas is lamenting that the apostles have been rolled up in rugs and removed from the fellowship. 
unholy and profane acts abound in the church. How many Christian kids are completely disobedient to their parents because they've gone the way of the transgender cult? Or, or how about the abortionist cult or the feminist cult or the racist cult or, or any of them? Just think about the sexual sins that are permitted in the church today, either actively or passively. I got a, I got a great example for you here. Uh, when I was a brand new pastor, I remember teaching a junior catechism class. We were on the Sixth Commandment, and the conversation turned to homosexuality. It was, it was right in the wake of the Oberfell case, and we were, we were talking about unrepentance versus repentance and making connections to church discipline and these sorts of things, communion and, and all that, when an eighth-grade girl with a chip on her shoulder asked a convicting question. She said something to the effect of, so homosexuality is a sin and homosexuals can't commune, but others who break the sixth commandment, who sin, can. Well, how's that fair, Pastor? And cutting to the chase, she had witnessed her mom do two things for a number of years. One, break the sixth commandment with several different boyfriends repeatedly. And two, receive communion the very same weekend. And without going any further into the story, as it wouldn't be right or permissible to do, she was right in understanding the hypocrisy of the church that she had witnessed. This, dear saints, just like the world we're in, we seem to think that heterosexual sin is fine. Just don't talk about it, right? Just don't talk about it, especially not in church or in front of your pastor, and we're good to go. But that homosexual sin is icky and gross and therefore stand against it strongly. But that's not faithfulness. That's not faithful at all. A listener by the name of Lori went into more of this in a recent email. She wrote in response to last week's episode on sexual immorality saying, I agree and have a bit more to add. Our culture is permeated with sexual immorality we use sex to sell toothpaste, to cars, and everything in between. It's basically the pool we're all swimming in. So hard not to get a bit wet, desensitized to it. We talk out both sides of our mouths, especially, it seems, as one travels through the so-called Bible Belt and sees that the billboards abound advertising girly triple X shows. Try explaining that to your school-aged children as you travel. At the same time, we rail against abortion and without addressing this demand side of the equation that has even grown men thinking they're entitled. And if they get caught, well, boys will be boys. Ugh. Never mind, they're abusing and misusing someone else's daughter, sister, niece, who, of course, could easily be left with an unintended pregnancy or in a life where the only options she sees is selling herself or images of herself. So I wonder why not as much outrage in that arena, i.e. adult shows, porn, etc. God loves us, she says, wants the absolute best for us, and the physical and emotional consequences of sex on demand won't ever provide that. Anyone who's been on this earth for a while can see it, can have devastating effects, not only for the consenting adults, but as a colossal disservice to children whose lives are touched by it. 
Thanks for listening. Our pleasure, Lori. Thank you for writing. You're absolutely right. We need, as church, to be consistent. And the way we do that is by following what Scripture says. Speaking as a pastor, this means the clergy need to drop the worldly ways that we've adopted to justify our inaction. We need to learn to take some bites and develop some thicker skin, which is simply to say we need to guard the faithful deposit entrusted to us, 1 Timothy 6.20, right? And we need to take the blows that come with being stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, not speaking out of both sides of our mouths, but I am two things at once. I am a pastor and I am also a sheep, right? I'm a Christian. So speaking as one who was once a layman and is still a Christian, numbered among all our Christian brothers, this means that Christians who are not clergy, you need to consider how you receive your pastor's instruction. When he's speaking the unpopular words that have real-time import for your life, do you dismiss them? Do you get defensive over them? Do you shut your pastor out because he spoke them to you? This sort of thing? Do you end up fighting with your pastor over your sin or the sins of the congregation rather than supporting him when he's trying to right the ship? as if the Lord's return is imminent, as Scripture says, and he, as a pastor, wants to be found faithful when his Lord returns. Now, we're going to take another break. When we get back, I'll tell you another anecdotal story, but we need to think about these things. We need to think how we all contribute to this so that we can be consistent. It's all of our responsibility as church. It's not just the pastors and it's not just the laity. It's the church. And we all need to contend against this. Will we go for orthodoxy or heresy? And not just in general terms, but in very specific personal ones. We'll take another break. We'll be right back to continue this conversation on truth and lies in our moment in history. Hello, friends. I'm Pastor Phil Boo, host of Thy Strong Word. Each weekday morning at 11 a.m., join me and a guest pastor as we explore God's Word, which strengthens our faith and guides our lives. You can listen over the air, online at kfuo.org, or through your favorite podcasting app. Just search for Thy Strong Word, only from KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Welcome back to Cross Defense. As I said before the break, I would tell you another anecdotal story from my early days as a pastor. We're talking about truth and lies, orthodoxy and heresy, not proclaiming Caesar to be Lord, or in our day and age, that looks like not saying that boys can be girls and girls boys, or that men can be married to men. They can be in whatever relationships they want to be as long as they're not redefining what God says, right? So here's my story. I had this elderly man in my first congregation, 
And he observed that I was young and I was fired up, although I wasn't as young as I could have been. I was a second career pastor. I am a second career pastor. So I was already a little older than my peers. But he observed that I was very zealous for the truth. And remember, I'm coming out of Fort Wayne and coming out of the Wyoming district, and I'm serving in a very missional uh, California area. And he said he looked forward to seeing how I would be when I calmed down after a few years. This is what he said. My confessional fervor in his eyes would dissipate the farther I got from my days at the seminary. How sad is that, my friend? How sad is it that he actually looked forward to seeing how I would be after time in the ministry changed me? Pastors are under-shepherds of Jesus, ordained to stand in the stead of the Lord. Would this man want Jesus to settle down from his faithfulness? Jesus' earthly ministry was only three years. And he was so fixed on the will of God that his hearers had to kill him for it. Rather than settle down, Jesus went to the cross Should we really be wanting our seminary grads to become less faithful so that they're more palatable to our culture's lukewarmitude? Really? No. No. By no means. Dear Saints, just as Pastor Worth encouraged you to write in to Thrivent and encouraged you to encourage your friends and neighbors and family and everyone you know to do the same, let me take that same model of encouragement and ask you, insist upon you, encourage you that you demand your pastor to be faithful to God's word as fervently as he possibly can and to help him by seeking yourself to be faithful with as much zeal as possible. Truth, not lies, is what we want. What the old man saw in me was an excited pastor fresh from the farm and ready to serve the Lord's people faithfully. But that meant I had to close a completely open communion rail, the result of which was to put my head on the chopping block after the first time I ever celebrated communion. Because regardless of what people might think, fidelity to God's word doesn't mean enduring the cruel, heretical practices that might have crept into a congregation prior to one's arrival as a pastor. The leadership wanted me gone, my friends, after the first time I celebrated communion, even though I took steps to do it rightly and then closed the communion rail. Because they wanted to commune with their Baptist friends and their ELCA Lutheran friends who had been coming to that congregation and acting as if they were members for years, but holding on to their other false beliefs. And they wanted to commune with anybody else, really. Anybody who might walk in, in the name of hospitality. I love the people, and we worked our way through it. And it was great. In fact, I had a lady from the ELCA, once I told her she couldn't commune there, and in in, in, a very loving way, I'm giving you the summary, I had a lady storm away. She was mad at me, and then she came back at the end of the summer after having gone back to her home somewhere else. This was a vacation place for her. And she said, Pastor, I owe you an apology. I talked to my pastor, an ELCA pastor, and he said that you were just doing what you were sworn to do. 
what you vowed to do. You were just doing your job and you could be defrocked for it if you were to contradict it and go against it. And not only that, you know, that could be defrocked, but not only that, I'm more worried about what the Lord has to say about me playing fast and loose with his institution of his supper, right? So it all worked out well, but it was a rough go. Straight out of the gate. Pastors are taught today to move slowly. Maybe not anymore. This is how I learned. To move slowly and even on matters of sacramental institution. On matters that will make them unfaithful stewards. I can't even think about that without losing sleep. We have pastors being taught that it's okay to go slow which to me says we're not really acting as if the Lord could return at any moment and we want to be found faithful in his house as the keeper of his house. We're taught to move slow, not for the sake of the congregation necessarily. We're taught to move slow because the generation ahead of us refused to suffer for Christ's sake and they let sin ride, displaying peace where there was no peace. And now we're moving slow so as not to scandalize their hearers, our hearers now. But the better way to go about this is just to teach the congregation why we must be faithful and for the congregation to be open and receptive to hearing that. So laity, dear Christian, help the church return to her consistent faithful confession by advocating for your pastor to right the ship when and where it has gone wrong. Be humble enough to take the correction and to trust in the Lord and the man he has given you to do so. Confirm what he says with the scriptures, but be willing to let the empire that you think you have be torn down, that the kingdom of God could be erected in its place. Don't hope for your pastor to become less faithful after the trials of ministry have, have worn him out, broke his spirit. Don't, don't wear him out. This is a Hebrews 13, 17 thing, right? Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning for that would be of no advantage to you. This is a problem in the church, my friends. Instead of teaching the flock to respect the under-shepherds, we teach the under-shepherds to kowtow to the flock. But what does this do? It crushes the pastor's spirit because he's been trained in the truth. He knows better, but then is forced to capitulate to lies. And so the result is pastors are caught between the way the congregation would have it be and the way God provided it to be. And they go down blind alleys of self-indulgence in an attempt to escape life. They burn out, get depressed, get stressed, and they start self-medicating in any number of sinful ways. And I say this as one who's been there. That is, <laughs> thanks be to God until I came to St. Mark. This wonderful congregation was small and neighboring one of the Synod's longest-running unionistic congregations. 
I had my concerns when I accepted the call, but I was done being a pastor when I got the call. My zeal for the Lord hadn't waned, but I had been rode hard and put away wet. I was tired of pastoring faithfully in a church culture that preferred the wisdom of the world. I've never been good. <laughs> I've never been good at implementing all the leadership guru gobbledygook. Just, I, I haven't. The CEO church model, church growth stuff, all that. It's for the non-denominational salesman types out there. And that's not me. I'd rather be an Israelite in whom there is no guile. That always seemed like the better approach, the biblical approach. God's way is always better, friend. So I prayed, and I, and I told the head elder when St. Mark called me to be their pastor, I told him exactly what kind of pastor I was and I would be. And you know what happened? Well, they called me. They called me to be their pastor, even though I laid it all on the line, and I wasn't afraid to tell them exactly where I was and what I would be doing. And when I first got here, I couldn't stop the laity from being faithful. And this is still the culture today here in this congregation. Don't tell us what we want to hear, pastor. Tell us what we need to hear, they say. This faithful flock in Ferndale couldn't wait to rectify error if there was some. They didn't know. And there was some. And there were some improvements to be made, not because the previous practices were necessarily sinful, but because returning to the old way was more in keeping with Scripture and would serve the gospel better. This church culture here, this refusal at St. Mark to accept lies under the auspices of patience or love or gospel or whatever people want to call it, this refusal is why I'm able to speak faithfully to our neighbors, and we've been able to minister to more and more people, including you, dear listener. We won't lie to ourselves, and when we do, we ask for repentance, and we live in forgiveness, and we don't lie to our neighbors. St. Mark will not call Caesar Lord, and we won't go along with the LGBTQ lies either or any of the woke stuff. By the grace of God, we've chosen not to. We, for our part, by the power of the Holy Spirit, choose truth, not lies. And maybe you already know this. The word heresy comes from to choose. And the word orthodoxy is the combination of ortho, or straight, and right, and doxa, meaning, in this case, opinion, carried out to mean teaching, right teaching. Heresy is choosing something, anything other than right teaching. Not all opinions are equal. As Allison rightly notes, teachings and ideas have consequences. The fundamental reason for distinguishing between heresy and orthodoxy is the question of truth. If a teaching is wrong opinion rather than right opinion, the consequences are cruel. The Christian faith is distorted. And people who follow these teachings are hurt. He goes on to say that it was once observed that war is too serious a matter to be left to the generals. Theology, likewise, is too serious a matter to be left to the scholars. We cannot do without generals or scholars, but each of us must do our own contending and our own believing. And lastly, my friends, I'll ask you to consider this statement. Allison says, all claims against orthodoxy are made explicitly or implicitly 
in the name of some new or different orthodoxy. Whether it be communism, modern medicine, Freudianism, etc., the critics or heretics always protest in the name of what they perceive to be true and correct doctrine and opinion, as opposed to a conventional received or erroneous orthodoxy. What shapes your opinion on any of today's issues? Is it the knowable, unchanging, apostolic, and prophetic teaching of God that has been handed down and received the entrusted deposit that we are to guard, or is it mankind's varying opinions that are chosen over and against God's revealed doctrine? Well, I pray that it's the former, Christ Jesus, who is the truth, because everything else is of the devil's lying tongue. My friends, we cannot go along with lies. We are in a moment of history that is orthodoxy versus heresy. We are dealing with a situation that is just as severe and grave as Athanasius and Arius. Truth or lie? We are dealing with a proclaim Caesar to be Lord or die situation. Yet, maybe we haven't got to the or die part, but it's coming. If we won't speak truth to these lies, why do we expect that we'll speak truth to that kind of lie? They're really the same thing. We will not rise to the occasion that we have made up in our mind that, oh yeah, when they come in, guns blazing, I'll definitely stand true to the word. I'll die a martyr's death. We will not rise to that occasion. What we will do is actually shrink down we will shrink down to our highest point of training, as they say, our, our highest willingness to be bold. And if we're not bold now, if we're not truth speakers now, we won't be then either. Now on that note, my friends, our time is up. You can send me your comments, your questions, or your bits of biblical brilliance at stmarksferndale.com forward slash contact. That's S-T-M-A-R-K-S, ferndale.com slash contact. Until next time, Christ be with you. Amen. Cross Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at kfuo.org.